Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21. Today we're going to talk about treasures. Treasures. Last week we talked about fasting. And what we learned about fasting was there was the outward and the inward. And Jesus will continue that theme here of secrecy between you and God. Because really it's what's inward that counts with Christ. So what we learn today is first of all we're not supposed to focus on wealth. And he mentions here the command. And Jesus writes and says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth. Now the word gay is the word for world. It's the physical world in which we live do not is hard in the Greek, and the word layup is phaserizo, which means to keep safe that which is of great value. And obviously, the issue here is material things. Years ago, uh, this is the Mona Lisa. When I was in Germany, Audrey and I had the opportunity to take a trip to France, and we got to go to the Louvre. And we saw the Mona Lisa in person. There were guards. You couldn't go past a certain spot. There wasn't that railing that you see there. This is, this is new. But you couldn't take pictures. So anybody that flashed a picture, they were thrown out. Now, I, I did a recent study of, of the Mona Lisa. Uh, there have been values placed on it. One of the values that I think is probably closest to the exact was one that was put forward by the Smithsonian. It would be worth today $834 million. $834 million. And that's why it's protected, because it's so valuable. And Jesus says here, treasures, they say rose, wealth, riches, that encompasses all kinds of things, money, possessions, uh, anything that would be of value. Now, when we think about what Jesus said here, do not lay for yourselves treasures on earth. We are talking about the physical realm in which we now live. But I, I want to talk about what Jesus is not saying. What Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not banning possessions. Jesus is not banning possessions. Some people have, uh, they're stamp collectors, they collect stamps. Uh, it's not so much the possessions themselves. There is no sin in a stamp. It's what is done or what value is placed upon the stamp that makes it problematic. Jesus was not banning savings accounts and retirement planning. In fact, when you look at the Proverbs, King Solomon writes this, Go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways, and be wise. The issue here is not planning for retirement. In today's culture, in today's society, it is very important that you have some type of savings built up. We look at our, our economic system. The COVID virus has shut down a lot of things. So it is wise to plan and to save. There's no inerrant sin in those things but it's what we attach to them that makes them problematic 
Jesus was also not banning enjoyment of God's blessings. All of us in this room today, we've been blessed, correct? We have many blessings that God gives us. Sometimes he, he does give us material blessings. Uh, we're not to, to look at that and view that as evil. We're to look at that and view that as a blessing from God and to give him glory and praise and honor for it. So when we talk about do not lay up for yourselves treasures on the earth, the issue is not the item itself. The issue is the means or the motive by which we attach value to something. John Stott, I think, wonderfully writes, what Jesus forbids his followers is the selfish accumulation of goods, extravagant and luxurious living, the hard-heartedness which one does not care about others, the foolish fantasy that a person's life consists in the abundance of his possessions. See, here's, here's the issue. How much do you need to live? Do you really need a mansion when there's only two people in it? Do you really need this brand new expensive car? The issue is not the possession itself, it's the motivation for why you want it. If its motivation is to look and say, look at me, look at what I own, look at my possessions, look at my grand house, look at what I've done, then there's a problem there. Without naming names, years ago, there was a very rich man in my church, and it was very problematic. He would flaunt his money. He would hold it up and say, look at me. That's problematic. The command, do not lay for yourselves treasures on the earth. So the big question is, why? Well, Jesus gives a reason in 19b. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves can break in and steal. Palestine was a hot, dry, sandy climate. It was prone to insects. It was prone to corrosion, particularly with, with the Dead Sea and the salt in the air. Uh, it, it, was, it was ripe for ruin. It was ripe for ruining things. Now, in the ancient times, Jesus gives us three images here. Two are natural, one is human. In ancient times, moths were really prevalent. Sometimes they'd have plogalacus, would eat, eat crops. But here, moths, they had a constant problem. They don't have the, the chemicals and, and things that we have today to rid themselves of it. So clothes were readily destroyed by moths. And so Jesus is, is giving the people on this Sermon on the Mount, he is giving them an image of something that can destroy what you think is beautiful. No matter how expensive the garment, we already looked at they had layers of garments, but your outer garment, which costs so much, could be destroyed. And then he mentions here corrosion, which is rust. Now this word corrosion, brosis, has five different meanings in the language. It can mean to consume solid food. It can also mean a festival meal, which can also be eaten. 
It can refer to solid food, such as meat. By the way, if you leave meat out so long, it will go bad. Or it can refer to what is eaten. Some scholars prefer animals because they translate this word, the corrosion, that they gnaw at it and they eat it away. But I think basically the word refers to corrosion, salt that eats through something and brings it to corrosion. Here's the thing. Any earthly thing that we have is prone to corrosion. It is prone to being either taken away. Uh, I, I see all these... Uh, as I was on eBay the other day, and I was looking at some of these games I used to play as a, as a child. They're, they're now called vintage games. But when you, <laughs> so I must be vintage. Um, there was one game in particular, the, the, the contents were not quite good, and the box that it was in had tears in it, it was... It was a mess, and, and the guy wanted $300 for it, and I kind of laughed at myself. It's not that vintage. But things wind up getting old, and they decay, and they rot. And then the third image that Jesus gives us is human, and that is thieves. Thieves can break in and steal. Diaroso, break in. Again, some scholars translate this as dig in or tunnel in. In Palestine, houses, the typical house was made of mud. So uh, some scholars believe, and I think it's probably true, that, that when, if they couldn't get through the door, they could tunnel into the house and they could steal the contents that are inside. And today we have all these electronic measures. We have uh, systems that we can put in and cameras. Somebody in the church was showing me a, a, a camera and, and you could see everything in the house even though you weren't there. So there are some protective measures. But back then, thieves could come in, steal whatever contents they wanted, and be gone. You may see the front door broken down. You may see a tunnel leading into your house. Here's, here's the thing. All earthly possessions... All earthly possessions are vulnerable to corrosion or thievery. Every one of them. So that begs the question, how much time and effort do we want to devote to something that will change over time? And I think that's a really good question. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, and then he gives us the contrast to that. And the contrast to that is, but focus on eternal things. But focus on eternal things. But lay up, Jesus says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus takes us from the physical world to the spiritual world. Seek things above, not things of the earth, the Apostle Paul wrote in Colossians. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves cannot break in and steal. Lay up. We've seen this word before. No, we haven't. This is a different word that Jesus uses. 
in verse 19 he uses face arizo. Here he used face arizo. There's two different words. And it means to store up something that is vital or valuable. So the issue is either you are trying to lock things in here so they cannot be destroyed or you are to store up things. And the issue here is the placement of the possession. The placement. You either have it here on earth or you have put it in heaven with God. Heaven, Gretinos, the supernatural dwelling place of God. Think about it. If you are taking uh, your spiritual treasure and you are depositing it in God's safe, in the realm of God, the supernatural dwelling of God, it is not, it is not, uh, thieves are not able to break in and it's not open to corrosion of natural earthly elements. The treasure is protected from the natural elements and the treasure is protected from thieves. Craig Bloomberg gives some good advice here. Even if people succeed in safeguarding all their earthly riches, they cannot control how long they live. <laughs> I remember my Old Testament professor in, in Bible college, and I've probably shared this with you before. Uh, he was talking one day about possessions and he said that one day he was observing a funeral procession. They, they had the, the, the hearse, and then behind the hearse was a U-Haul. <laughs> and Dr. Lee told us, who's he kidding? You can't take it with you. In fact, you can't even determine the day of your death. I don't know if you caught the news yesterday, but a 42-year-old senator from Pittsburgh died of an aneurysm. 42. I'm sure he didn't wake up that morning thinking, by the afternoon, I'm going to be dead. He was young, at least by my standards, 42 is young. The point is, we cannot predict when we are going to die. Therefore, we need to be careful. He continues, Bloomberg does, spiritual treasure should be defined as broadly as possible. I totally agree with that because Jesus is talking here about treasures should be defined as broadly as possible as everything that believers can take with them beyond the grave. That's the key. Holiness of character, obedience to all of God's commandments, souls won for Christ, and, dis and disciples nurtured in the faith. Let me ask you a question. How much is a soul worth to you? How much would you pay if you had the money? How much would you pay to see one person one to Christ? A thousand? Two thousand? Maybe a widow's mite. She gave more than anybody because she gave everything she had. How much is a soul worth to you? Is it more valuable than a PlayStation? Is it more valuable than a new car? Is it more valuable than 
the things that you have in your house. I think all of us could answer that a soul is worth a lot of money. How much is it worth to nurture someone in the faith? How much would you pay for a baby Christian to be able to grow up in the, in the faith? I think Bloomberg's absolutely right. This needs to be broad. This, this not only encompasses possessions, but it also encompasses our own lives. What is your character like? How do people view you? I think all these things come into play. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust can destroy and where thieves cannot break in. And then Jesus focuses on the real issue. This is, my goodness, in, in, in what I read this week, every scholar, every theologian has a broad definition here. Very broad. For where your treasure is, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. They sorrows, that which is of value. That which is of value. I think it's a good point to look at as we start this new year. What do we value? What do we want to give our time, our talents, and our efforts to? Where are we going to put our spiritual money, so to speak? What are we going to value? That which is of value. And then he said, there your heart will be also. Cardia. We've seen this word before, cardia. It refers to the psychological life of a person. It includes but is not limited to this following list. Inner self. That's who you are as an individual. The mind. The will. The desires. The reasoning. How we reason and how we think through. It's also the intellect. That's what Jesus wants to know. Because we can fake it outwardly, but inwardly, where we are inwardly towards what we value outwardly is where we are and where our treasure lies. The psychological life of a person. Stuart Weber gives some good advice here. Jesus was summarizing why the kingdom servant is motivated to practice righteous acts. It is not for temporary honor among men on earth, for our eternal reward, but our eternal reward before the Father. The point of this life is to prepare for the next life, the life to come. So see, the issue, the issue is really Is what I'm doing now going to add treasures to heaven? Or is it just going to add treasures here? Think about it this way. If things here corrode and dissolve and are destroyed over time, how much time do I want to devote to those issues? How much time do I want to give to them? 
And I think Stuart Weber's right. We've got to focus on the life after. This is a great sermon for the new year because, and when I came to it, I was like, wow, that worked out nicely. <laughs> because really, this new year today, and I know New Year's was the other day, but this is January 3rd, but this is a time to reset our focus. This is a time to realign our lives and say, you know what? I'm going to place value on spiritual things. I am going to seek to do what I can to make sure that I am not valuing the possessions in this life. I'm going to kind of take my fingers off of them. Uh, it doesn't mean you shouldn't plan your retirement, have a savings account. That's a separate issue. But the issue here is, what am I going to do this year? What am I going to do this year to focus on the spiritual dimensions of my life? And, because we do not know, actually I think there was two senators, two senators, two re Republican senators in the last week and a half that, that, that passed away, and they were very young. When I was young, I used to think I'm going to live forever. But as I've gotten older, I, I realized that life is very, there's a lot of things that can happen. And we don't know at what time God's going to call us home. By the way, speaking of that, I think I put this on our Facebook page. Last year set a record in my ministry. I didn't preach one funeral. And I praise God for that. And I hope that trend continues into this new year. But the fact is, at some point, all of us are going to pass. And John Osteen, not Joel, John Osteen said this, It is one life, it goes so fast, only that which is done for Christ will last. That's pretty good, pretty good advice. And that means to focus on the spiritual dimension of things. And then I want to bring in a second quote from Robert Utley. This section teaches the transitory nature of earthly things and the eternal nature of spiritual things. It also emphasizes that where one puts one's interest and energy truly reveals one's priorities. So, at the start of this new year, it might be good to go home and talk to God and ask God, all of us, myself included, to ask God, Lord, help me get my priorities right. Help me focus on things of the kingdom, not of things of this world. Help me, Lord, to make conscience decisions that I will focus on things above and not on things of this earth. Because I do know, Lord, that these things that are on the earth are temporal and they are fleeting and they will pass away. I want to focus on the things that are eternal and heavenly. I, I kind of went back and, and I made some of my own notes, but I want to do some personal reflection for all of us this morning. Uh, this is not an all-inclusive list. It could easily have many more questions, uh, but these were some things that, that I felt like I needed to write down. 
First of all, how often do you pray? How often do you pray? Now compare that to how much time you watch TV. We're all guilty of it. I think if everybody in this room would acknowledge, myself included, we could be much better in our prayer life. How much time do I pray? Because see, that's the essence of the Christian walk is that through the power and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he helps us to prioritize our lives. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Help me focus on you. How often do you pray? Here's a second question that I think is valid. How often do you study the Bible? How often do you study the Bible? You know, there's a lot of wonderful Bible apps. And by the way, I'm getting ready to expand my uh, Sunday school class through team meetings. For those of you that uh, watch on Facebook each week, uh, and if you want to be part of that, I'll be sending some stuff out on our Facebook page. But how often do you study the Bible? I mean, sit down and actually study it. There are a lots of study Bibles. In fact, you can get commentaries that are single volume that have Old and New Testament. Uh, try to spend at least 10 minutes a day. At least, I, I'm, I'm not asking you to become Bible scholars or theologians, uh, but I am asking you to rethink your priorities. Are you studying the Bible? Think about it. When was the last time, just this year, <laughs> first, second, third, when was the last time you read the Bible? Good. That's good. Read it every day. My goodness, how can we live the Christian life if we aren't reading the Bible? So, how often do you pray? How often do you study the Bible? Number three, am I attending worship regularly? Now, the big kickback here is, Pastor, we're in... Uh, COVID, I get that. I fully understand it. And by the way, if you're watching today and you're afraid to come to church, that's okay. But the fact is we do stream live each week. So are you, are you doing that? Usually these three questions point to a spiritual issue in the life of a person. Are you worshiping regularly? This one kind of convicted me that's why I wrote it down. Um, this year was really bad, but I'm changing that this year. Now, I, I get to preach every Sunday, and I know I preach the gospel. But this one, am I sharing the gospel? So, in my private study time, when I was going through my own personal reflections and, and, and thoughts, I decided that this year, I am going to share the gospel 12 times. 12 times this year. And I don't know how many of you are watching live by Facebook. I'm assuming 10 at this point, and then somewhere down the road it'll be 160. But uh, just think of this just for a minute. 10, 10 times 12 is 120 times the 20-something that we have here. That's a lot. 
That's a lot of sharing the gospel. If we'll take time, and sharing the gospel can be as simple as tweeting somebody or texting somebody. Uh, I encourage you to write down your, your personal testimony, how it was before you came to Christ, how it was the moment you accepted Christ, and how your life is now. Those are the three things that are encompassed basically in a, in, in a testimony. Uh, I've heard some powerful testimonies. This is what my life was before, and it was awful. But the day that I trusted in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I felt the weight lift. That's what happened to me. I felt like a weight had lifted. And then this is how my life is now. Believe it or not, that's where most Christians have the biggest problem, is now. Focus on all the things that God has done in your life, and then just share it. How often am I sharing the gospel? Our world today is ripe. Do you know that? Our world today is ripe for the gospel message. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. This is a kind of a really good one. Do others see Christ in me? Try this. Ask an unbeliever in your life, do you see Christ in me? And if they say yes, praise God. And if they say what? Maybe, maybe we need to make some adjustments. I think this one is good too. Uh, am I doing good deeds? Now let me, let, me, let me say this. You realize that when I say, are you doing good deeds? I'm not talking about deeds to keep your salvation. You are secure in Christ. Nothing can change that if you've truly trusted in him. But the motivation here is to look out and say, I'm going to help that person over there. Be sensitive to what is going on around you and say, how could I in the name of Christ act to do something beneficial for them, but I don't want any of the credit for it. I'm just going to do it because I want to help people and I want to love people and I want to do good things. So, don't focus on eternal wealth. That doesn't mean we can't plan, we can't have retirements, things like that. But we can't invest tons of time into things that are going to perish. But focus on the eternal things. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And where someday we will see him face to face. And we will give an account for what we have done here. And the good things that we've done, that we didn't want credit, that were godly things, they will survive. Everything else will be burned up. Let's focus on that this coming year.